Welcome back to Discovering the Bible, the podcast with the open Bible where we want to dig into the Word of God and see what treasures God has in store for us. And the topic that we want to deal with in this episode today is the Trinity. Yes, the Trinity is not too easy to understand, and it is even a very controversial topic. When we talk about the Trinity, we we talk about the nature of God. We we ask ourselves, who is God? The word Trinity, the English word Trinity, goes back to the Latin, uh, where it it, has, uh, it is Trinitas. It means threefold or triple, and the idea here is that there are three persons of the Godhead, but only one God. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. And all three of them, even though they are distinct to each other, they're not separate to each other, but distinct, they all three are one, one God. Hence, triune, three in one God. It's three persons, but one God. And as I said, it is a very controversial topic, right? Um, for many reasons. Uh, the first obviously reason why it's very controversial is that it gives us logical problem, a logical problem, right? Um, how can be somebody be uh, three and yet one, right? Three in one, three yun. How is that possible? It brings us to the limits of our understanding. It, it seems to be uh, not not to be logical, right? Additionally, we are being accused of being polytheistic, like especially like for example, Muslims, they, they will say, you believe in three different gods, in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There are three different separate gods you believe in. We know that there are monotheistic religions and there are polytheistic religions. The monotheistic religions believe that there's only one God and the polytheistic religions believe that there are multiple gods. Christianity sees itself as a monotheistic religion. Nevertheless, the accusation is that we are polytheistic because we believe in three different gods. I hope to show that this is not the understanding of the Bible in a bit. But another problem that we will see is when there is a trinity, by the way, the word trinity does not occur in the word of God, but the thing, as I would like to show, uh, is found in the Bible. But if the Trinity, if there is a Trinity, then Jesus is God. He's man and God in one person, another controversial topic. And then the Holy Spirit is also God, is a divine person, another controversial topic. Then the Holy Spirit is not only a force, but then the Holy Spirit is a, actually a divine person. So, lots of controversies. And what we need to ask ourselves is now, what do we do now, right? Shall we avoid the topic because it's so controversial? Um, is it not that important at the end? And I, I would say it is It is very important. Um, and I would like to give uh, at least two reasons. First of all, as I said already, we are talking about God. We are asking about the nature of God. Who is God? And that should give ample reason to us to uh, take the topic serious and, and that we regard it as important and that we really 
try to understand it. We want to know who is God, right? How has he revealed himself? The other reason I would like to come up why the Trinity is so important to understand is that without understanding and accepting the Trinity, you will not be able to understand the Gospel. Take, for example, Bible verses like John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So God sends his only begotten Son. Other Bible verses speak about the Father sending the Son. The Son speaks about being sent. The Son speaks about going back to the Father and the Father sending the Holy Spirit. And you won't be able to understand these Bible verses, the Gospel, if you don't understand in a certain way, or let me rather say, if you don't accept the Trinity, that there are three persons of the Godhead that are distinct from each other, meaning that God is not the Father, uh, sorry, that the Father is not the Son and the Holy Spirit is not the Father and so on, but they all three are God. There's one God, but three persons of the Godhead. And so that is very important, right? You won't be able to understand the gospel. It is the Trinity, so to say, is the heart of the gospel, is the center of the gospel and of Christianity at all. Before we go into the Word of God and, and take a look at several Bible verses, I would like to make some uh, preliminary remarks. If we deal with this topic, we, we need to be aware that we are talking about God and we are human beings. God himself is without limit. He is eternal. He cannot be grasped. He's, he's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipotent. He can do everything. He's not limited in any way. He's not bound to time and space. He's eternal. But we, on the other side, we are human beings and very limited, very much so. We have a, a grown-up adult human being uh, has 1.4 kilogram brain mass average, on average, on average. But even though there are those that are very smart, we are limited even in our understanding in our capacities to understand things. And we need to humbly accept that we are limited human beings and we cannot grasp God in his entirety, in his totality, who he is. That is not only true when it comes to the Trinity. It also is comes true or is true in regard to other topics relating to God. That God has no beginning and no end. That God is not bound to time and space. That he is eternal. That is, these are all like categories which we cannot understand. And like if you discuss, for example, with um, Jehovah Witnesses or with Muslims, they, they will agree with you that God is eternal, that God is without limit, that he is not bound to time and space, and so on, that he has no beginning, no end. They all will agree to this. But when it comes to the Trinity, they will discard that idea because they say this is not logical. 
And, and they will even say, and this is something a Muslim once told me, he said, when God reveals himself, and by the way, we are dependent on God's revelation. We cannot know anything about God if not God reveals himself to us in any way. But he said, when God reveals himself, we must understand it. And if it's not logical, I don't accept it. So what this man was doing is he makes his capacity to understand things, his understanding, he makes it the standard, the measurement of whether God can be something or cannot be something. And this is why I said that we have to be very careful. We are human beings. We are limited. And we are talking about the uh, we are talking about God who is without limit. And that will bring us to a point where I can say, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But we humbly accept how God has revealed himself to us. And we want to grow in this understanding of who God is. We want to see his glory, right? All right. That being said, let us now dive into the Word of God, so to say, and, and see what the Bible says about the Trinity. Where does this idea of a Trinity, of a triune God, a God that is three yet one, where does it come from? Well, first of all, the Bible, the Old and the New Testament, both say that God is one. There's only one God. And that proves that Christianity is a monotheistic religion. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, we read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Is one. And if you go to the New Testament, we will read in 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So that makes it very uh, plain there's only one God. Both the Old and the New Testament teach that there's only one God and there are no other Bible verses that teach different. But what does the Bible say about the, the different persons of the Godhead, I say? What does the Bible say about the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit? Is the Father God? Is the Son God? Is the Holy Spirit God? Well, let us see. And we'll start with the Father, that the Father is God. And I would say this is the, the least controversial. Um, most people would agree that the Father is God. And indeed, we read in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father. These are not two persons, not two entities, but this speaks about the same person. It speaks about the God and Father. He's Father and He's God. God is our Father and our Father is God. Both are true. And then we turn to the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. And there we actually read that in, in chapter 17, verse 3, we we. Uh, or in the whole chapter, we hear the Lord Jesus Christ speak to his heavenly Father. And in, in verse 3, he says something very remarkable. And he says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So he says to his Father, You are the only true God. 
And we see that the father is a person. He has attributes of a, of a person. He loves, he gives, he seeks worshippers, John chapter 4. And so this is very easy to understand. The father is God. We move on to the question whether the son is indeed God, as the father is God. And we go to the most prominent Bible verse. There are really a lot of Bible verses that we could quote now, but I think the most prominent one is John chapter 1, verse 1. And there we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then in the same chapter, verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. There are several statements that we can now make. Um, it first says, in the beginning was the Word. It's not specified here what beginning is meant. And we can simply say, no matter what beginning you, you take, the Word was there already. And this shows us that the Word is eternal, and only God is eternal. It is here already that we can uh, safely suppose that the Word must be God, because only God is eternal. But then the, Lord, the Word of God does not leave us to our conclusions and uh, stipulations, but it says things very explicitly. The next phrase says, and the Word was with God. And that seems to contradict our conclusion that we had, our idea that the Word must be God, because now it says, and the Word was with God. So there's God and there's the Word. But is the Word really God? Well, we think so, because only the Word is eternal and only God is eternal. But let us move on. And then it says, and the Word was God. So there's God and there's the Word. There are two persons but both are God. There's the Word, and the Word is God, and there is God, and God is God. And then it says, finally, He was in the beginning with God. The relationship between the Word and God well, is also eternal. And then it says something about the Word further on, as we have seen. John chapter 1, 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is what we call the incarnation of the Son of God. The Son of God, that is the one that we talk about here, who is meant with the Word, who, who is and was God always. He always has been God. He is God for it, from eternity on. And now we see that the Son of God becomes something that He was not before. He becomes the man Jesus. He stays God, but he remains. He stays God, but he becomes a human being. And the Word became flesh, that is the incarnation, and dwelt among us, us human beings. We have always been human beings. We were nothing else but human beings. But here we have the one that is the Son of God from eternity, and he becomes a human being like us, sin apart. So the Son of God indeed is a person of the Godhead. And then we move on and we, we turn to the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit a divine person? 
And we read in Acts chapter 5, verse 3 and 4, they will read, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. And the situation that we have here is that there was Ananias and Sapphira, and these two, they had a piece of land, and they sold this piece of land, and then they gave a portion of this, they gave to um, the apostles. But they they didn't say that this was only a portion. They said, this is the, the whole thing, right? This is the whole uh, price that we got for this land. And that was incorrect. And Peter says, you have lied. You have lied to the Holy Spirit. And then in verse, um, in verse 4, he even says, you have not lied to man, but to God. And so if you put the information together, we will see the Holy Spirit is indeed a divine person. So there we have it. The idea of the Trinity is indeed scriptural. It is scriptural teaching. We have seen that the Old Testament and the New Testament say that God is one God. There is only one God. And we have seen that the Father is God, that the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. Three persons, but one God. Now, since this is not easy to, under, to be understood, many have tried to come up with analogies to help to understand the idea or the teaching, let me rather use that word, the idea of, uh, sorry, the teaching of Trinity. And I don't know about you, if you know any useful analogy, if yes, please feel free to write in the comments. But as for me, I, I don't know any useful analogy that really describes in an accurate way, what the Trinity is like. For example, some use the idea of ice, water, and steam, right? They say ice basically is water, uh, uh, water, liquid water, I mean, is also water, and steam is nothing else but also uh, water, right? Uh, but in a different condition, right? But see, ice and water cannot exist simultaneously at the same time, nor can liquid water and steam uh, exist at the same time, simultaneously. Either it's liquid water or it's steam. Either it's ice or steam or one of the three conditions, but not three at the same time. But the teaching of the Holy, of the Holy Word of God is that God is Father, Son, and God at the same time. They are distinct persons of the Godhead, but they exist simultaneously. They have their they, they always act in agreement to each other, but they exist, exist simultaneously. This is very important to see. And we are, there we have it already. Like This analogy is not helpful at all. And I, for myself, I don't know any helpful 
analogy that helps rather to confuse even more. There's actually one um, idea or one theory that is used, which I really want to warn uh, for about. Um, and that is the idea of roles. God plays different roles. It's one God, but he plays one time, he plays the role of father. Another time he plays the role of son. And another time he plays the role of Holy Spirit. Um, and everybody who's, uh, who knows a little bit of, of social studies knows that this, this is a theory the theory of roles, different roles that we as human beings play depending on the relationship that I have towards certain people. As a teacher, I play a different role than as a husband and a father and so on, but I'm always the same person. And, and this analogy uh, or this theory actually is used by some to explain the Trinity, but it fails utterly. This is not how God, as we have seen, um, reveals, reveals himself. This is not the Trinity. And actually it's also used by those that deny the Trinity. Right? This is their explanation, how we can explain why the Word of God speaks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and gives them divine attributes. And again, if I, I stick to this theory, I can't explain the Gospel because the Father sent the Son the Father loves the Son. Doesn't make sense if you stick to the idea of different roles. Well, we have seen and, and we have taken a look at the Bible, what the Bible says, and actually that the idea of Trinity is indeed scriptural. I would like to close with the words of Moses. He had the prayer to God and he said, let me see your glory. We want to grow in the understanding of who God really is. We are dependent on God's revelation. We want to be mindful of this, but we want to understand more about God, who He is, how He acts in relation to Himself, in relation to us, what He gives. We want to grow in the understanding of God and may indeed be our desire to know more about God and I think this will have a huge impact on our lives when we see what a great and wonderful God we have, what he has done for us and for himself and how wise he is and how he will um, bring everything about that he has purposed in his heart. And that will bring us to worship him and this will bring us to devote our lives to this wonderful God and also bring our lives in harmony with this God so that we can enjoy the fellowship with this God. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this was beneficial and um, I hope that you will tune in next week. Until then, God bless.